Hi, this is Claude B. And this is Bird, and together we are Two, Two Bees, Bees Pod. Pod. And we're just a couple of old bees talking about life, love, surviving, and thriving through the everyday trials of adulting as older millennials. We definitely don't have it all figured out, but we're doing it anyway. The following story contains information about sexual assault, which may be triggering. You're welcome to listen, but you're also invited to take care of yourself and listen when you're ready. We're back. We are back. Again. We're so on it. <laughs> so damn. <laughs> same allergies. <laughs> New episode, same allergies. <laughs> um so you good? You're like really rubbing your eye over there. I got allergies, man. Yeah. We should probably say we're recording these episodes back to back <laughs> from the previous one. So, same allergies happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We wanted to talk about... Sexual assault awareness month. Yeah. Yeah. It's a month, you know. There's a day and a month for everything. <laughs> but, gosh. Oh, I guess I should, we should know how long it's been. Maybe 20 some odd years. That they've done sexual assault awareness month, or at least like the country and states mm-hmm. and places have declared it. Um, and a lot of people do, like on college campuses, they do take back the nights, or you do marches and do survivor speakouts, or just, you know, talk about this issue, but like marching through and maybe campuses or neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And that's what it started with. Um, I think when it started, however long with the take back the nights started. They would march through campuses where, like, sexual assaults would happen. Or they'd go on, like, frat roads. Yeah. Um, to, you know, just take that power. And then there's the clothesline project that people do where they write messages on shirts. Sometimes they use denim, uh, like, for denim day. And then they write messages of their own stories or people they know or statistics. And they're just really nice statements and very powerful. So that's happening all over the place right now. Mm-hmm. Denim Day is April 24th, um, where everyone will wear jeans with a purpose. You know, we wear jeans every day, but it's more than jeans. It represents a story from 20 years ago where a girl was raped by her driving instructor, and she was wearing tight jeans, so what was originally um, a conviction of rape was then overturned because she was wearing such tight jeans, and they tried to say she had some kind of role in taking them off herself, implying consent so we um are a podcast by survivors for survivors so we really wanted to talk about this issue and yeah so here's our little bit and then yeah and then i guess we should say obviously we're talking about sexual assault awareness month and we wanted to talk about um topics around that and specifically the SART exam process mm. and so um some of the topics that we'll be discussing some of the things that we'll be discussing uh can be uh, triggering and um, for some people and some people can find them sensitive topics I guess yeah, yeah so this is just um, a trigger warning for sexual assault um, medical forensic evidence collecting exam mm-hmm. and um, topics of that nature so if you um, are you of course are welcome to listen and learn and if you feel like you're at a place where you're uh, comfortable to do that but if you're not um, that is completely okay as well and you can come back to this another time yeah 
Okay, so we, um, did I share? Oh, uh, this sort of started from sharing on, mm. on, uh, the 2B's Instagram because, mm-hmm. um, I was watching the, I was watching Grey's Anatomy. I was catching up on it. I just mm. like let it <laughs> build up and then catch up on it on Hulu. And so I finally, um, watched the episode that I guess a lot of people are discussing about mm-hmm. the, um, SART exam, which is the forensic exam for evidence collecting after a sexual assault or rape occurs. Mm-hmm. And so I don't even remember what my question was. Like I posted a image of the Grey's episode with like a question. Like how do you think it, they portrayed they did, it or, did, or how do you mm-hmm. feel or something like that. Mm-hmm. So a few people answered, but, um, one of the, um, one of the responses that we got there um was that was how different it was from how different the portrayal on Grey's Anatomy mm-hmm. so like the Hollywood version of events mm-hmm. um of a sexual assault forensic evidence collecting exam mm-hmm. very wordy right now for it <laughs> versus an actual what is called SART exam yeah and that came from one of our friends who's an advocate as well mm-hmm. um and you and I as advocates we know uh, we have had experience um, being mm-hmm. in a room with survivors mm-hmm. while they um, go through this examination process. And it, yeah. and it was, uh, Grace did a pretty good job and, you know, it kind of pulled at your heartstrings and stuff like that. And I think for survivors watching it or myself, I should speak for myself as a survivor watching mm-hmm. it, it was very touching. Um, but yes, it was very different than what you experience in real life. Uh, I went, From there, I went and shared some facts or I guess some information about how a SART exam actually goes. Yeah. And so we thought it would be good, particularly since it is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, to just, just to cover it a little more thoroughly. Yeah. Um, you know, since we do have that experience and knowledge and since we have we have that experience from our work as advocates, um, being in a room with survivors mm-hmm. and Yeah. Having my own experience mm-hmm. with it. Personally, yeah. Yeah. I know um, people, of course, that work at a crisis. I'm still there, so people were talking about the episode, and I don't watch Grey's Anatomy because I can't handle blood, so I never watch those like <laughs> ER shows mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and it just I'm like, that's me all out. it is about. But there is blood, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> stresses me out. Mm-hmm. Even the previews, I'm like, oh no, my blood. So I never watched it, and I haven't watched it yet. And I like think I want to watch it, um, and I do. And then even like when a friend from work was telling me about it, saying. Um, that it was like parts of it were really well done, mm-hmm. trauma informed, mm-hmm. and of course it was like not all fully accurate, um, but it could still probably trigger mm-hmm. triggering for people, yeah, with their own experience and yeah, having um, since I don't remember my assault, what I think of as like the hardest thing is like the people who abandoned me or whatever friendships, mm-hmm. but also I remember everything from the Friends. exam, yeah, yeah. That's like when I really like broke down in yeah. the um, trial. So, and you have to know where you are, you know, with like putting the trigger warning ahead of episodes or different things. Mm. Like um, if you are someone who might be affected or triggered by a specific topic, not even sexual assault, but just like mm. whatever you may go- be going through in life. Like for me, like sometimes, you know, discussion of child loss or miscarriage is difficult for me. Mm-hmm. So like whatever specific event or thing you've gone to in life if you may be triggered by it you you should know that it is okay to not 
participate in certain things just because everyone else is you know yeah. what I mean like so if it's gonna be triggering excuse me for you <clears throat> then that's okay and you and I had this similar conversation about like should we cover things like the R. Kelly mm-hmm. um the leave, after leaving Neverland or? yeah the R. Kelly it was a documentary or whatever oh, like it was the R. Kelly series. and interview mm-hmm. the series and then of same thing with ne- uh leaving Neverland or whatever the Michael Jackson one mm-hmm. was and I think uh, both of us decided like we just were not at a place where we wanted to I did watch Michael Jackson one. Oh, you did okay mm-hmm. So I haven't watched either one mm-hmm. and I sort of wanted to just like in support of mm-hmm. or like, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, you have to know, you have to take care of yourself. Yeah. You know, and if, if watching those things is not going to be what's in your best interest emotionally, mentally, then don't do it. Yeah. You know? So I watched it. You don't have to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah tell, tell, I don't know if you want to like talk about it a bit. I know a little bit in terms of like just what I've read. Yeah. And seen. Yeah, but, um, so a little bit, I don't have the best memory, (laughs) PCOS problems, (laughs) but, um, the, so what I do recall and what happened is the survivor walked into the emergency room at the hospital, um, and she was just trying to get treated for injuries she had she had visible external injuries Mm -hmm. and one of the doctors one of the surgeons uh joe she approached her and then it it should be said that joe is also a survivor herself of but of domestic violence Mm. so she kind of recognized you know the survivor's affect the way she was behaving like being a little nervous and skittish around men um you know just scared um so she sent away the male doctor and took her herself and started asking her questions and just asking more about what happened to her and you know where are these injuries from and i don't know what the story was she made up like i don't know if she said she fell or something i don't really recall but she made up a story about how she was injured mm. um and then you know joe was like that's not what these injuries are from so kind of just talking to her and giving her making her feel comfortable enough to share with with joe her story of what happened and they took her aside put her in a private room um this is just you know a walk-in at an emergency room so she put her in a private room at the hospital with another doctor and then called in yet another doctor all surgeons like head of like whatever their specific field of practice Mm. is um and they were able to have the survivor disclose that of her sexual assault that she was assaulted she had gone out um and the survivor did a lot of blaming of herself you know just taking on shame and the guilt of what had occurred to her um and she was married so not wanting her husband to find out not wanting her husband to think badly of her Mm -hmm. um not really wanting to get um do the SART exam the forensic exam um, because again, not wanting it to get back to her husband. Um, the other doctor came, was called in because she had, I, she, because of possible internal injuries oh. during the assault, which it, it turned out she ended up having. But during all that whole time, Joe was very supportive. Joe actually disclosed her own story of abuse from her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and the survivor felt really comfortable with her, like wanted her to stay with her and hold her hand. Um, it was very like supportive process for the survivor to have Joe 
share that experience and disclose it. <clears throat> so one of the doctors, her name is Teddy. Teddy was basically telling her like, you don't have to go through this. You don't have to go through an exam. You can, you know, they were telling her essentially like talking about the Survivor Bill of Rights mm -hmm. saying like, you have the right to do all or part of the exam. Mm -hmm. We have to ask for consent to do, to take photos. We have to ask consent to do everything and you can stop us at any time. So they were telling her how uh, she had to consent to every aspect of the exam, exam and she had the right to say no and um, not be able to continue. So Teddy was really like sort of empowering her in that and telling her that she didn't even have to go through it. But Joe, I think because as a, she, as a survivor mm -hmm. herself, Again, not of sexual assault, I believe. But through her own experience, I think was sort of pushing her, but not in like a too pushy way, I didn't think, um, to encouraging her to get the exam mm. and telling her that, you know, you don't have to report with this, but you have it there in case in the future mm. you want to report. And so she did go through with it. From what Joe said, she found comfort in it, went through with it and everything. And so they went through the process a little bit, of course, you know, not too in depth. It is a long process yeah. in real life, right. but they showed photos being taken, measuring of injuries. Um, they showed, or you could hear a little bit of, of them going in and doing like the vaginal examination process mm -hmm. as well. And uh, a collection of evidence. And then the most powerful, I guess, and touching part for me was when after the exam was over, they did discover there was some sort of internal damage, I believe. And so they had to go and take her to surgery. And she was really afraid because anytime she closed her eyes, mm. um, she would have flashbacks of mm. her assault. And so, <clears throat> so she kept telling Joe, like if she could stay with her and letting her know that she didn't want that done, didn't want to like close her eyes and have flashbacks. And so um, they ended up closing down that, uh, hallway, not letting any men go through, but mm. inviting all of the women staff to come and stand in the hallway. And um, I think that's the image that's being shown everywhere. Yeah. They didn't tell them why, but they oh. just said, we need you. So it was just a hallway lined of women staff, doctors and nurses and whomever, mm. as they like rolled her out into the operating room. So that was just really powerful. That's like what got me. That's like where yeah. I teared up and stuff just having like all these faces of women just there to support you don't even know why but mm. you know they're there uh, i think that was mostly the extent of it uh her husband did end up coming and don't recall if she reported or not but her husband did end up coming and she ended up disclosing to her husband mm. and he was supportive mm. um so it was nice but that was the most impactful for me Nice. Yeah. And I think you brought up this question that I was thinking of as you're going through it that like not one advocate. <laughs> That's always like I think just from having that experience. Anytime I've seen some sort of dramatized dramatized <laughs> whoa dramatized <laughs> version of the exam process or the reporting process or whatever, I'm like no one could think of an advocate. No one could yeah. call an advocate. Come on, Shonda. Shonda Ryan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so no advocate. So that was missing from the story as it always it's, is. Yeah. I think SVU had a, like <clears throat> one episode where they had an advocate, but they made the advocate seem like super pushy. Yeah, yeah. They'll never <laughs> put us in a good light. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, I mean, at least, because I think I had heard um, when people were talking about it saying that whoever... ABC whatever wanted Shonda Rhimes to like didn't want her to show the black light and that there was like DNA evidence or mm -hmm. something 
and she wrote to them saying like you will put violence mm-hmm. like against women all this violence on tv no right. problem but you're trying to show she's trying to show <clears throat> someone like going through a process and like really educating yeah. people and you had something against it mm-hmm. so then they like went through it yeah did it mostly well i wonder if like how much it is that they think oh that's not that great for tv or that they don't know like did they even consult with a rape crisis center or any organization i wonder so i wondered that like did anyone consult with a rape crisis center or anything like that any Mm -hmm. of the people on this show but i think it's just it's just so easy to depict violence yeah against women violence against people but no one wants to know like the reality of it and that goes into a bigger conversation about you know misogyny and rape culture mm-hmm. and that how we continue to perpetrate these things because we put them out there as these like dramatic entertain things to be consumed for entertainment when mm-hmm. it's like real life these things happen in real life sexual assault happens in real life all the time every day yeah but people are so maybe can become so like jaded or immune to it because we're just consuming it all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, don't even realize. Yeah. And, and when it's something real, like a rape kit, you know, that's those are really the things that happen. And like, someone, like, reclaiming mm-hmm. their power to something that happened and, like, they have an issue with it. Right. Yeah. That speaks to a definitely a bigger issue. Yeah. As far as media and how women and violence against women is depicted in the media and just in society as a whole. We had someone, some... Um, place reach out to us. I don't remember the name of the series, but I remember the like production company or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but they reached out to us and we talked to them about the whole process and they were so grateful and interested and like, oh, we didn't know all that, blah, blah, blah. And then they followed up like with, well, do you think that she may start to use masturbation as like a form of coping? Like she, after her sexual assault, like she gets really into like masturbating or something like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't even respond. Uh, just like this over... They were trying to look for something or like... I don't know. I felt like trying to sexualize this victim mm-hmm. in some way. Not mm-hmm. like if that's... If you just need to talk about like the different ways that people mm-hmm. respond when they have like rape trauma syndrome and those symptoms. But it just felt like they were like trying to look for something. Just like gratuitous. Yeah. Like, trying to pin victims or survivors in a certain light mm-hmm. instead of being more of educational yeah yeah um so i think it was really great you having watched it and then going through and like educating people because you go through that and like you Mm -hmm. look at svu and you think oh the legal process it's like a half hour (laughs) (laughs) done yeah and they always get the guy (laughs) yeah yeah so we just wanted because of that wanted to talk about a little bit about what it actually is like what is the start process like at all mm-hmm. what is sart to begin with that's why i was banking it's so wordy at the beginning because i didn't yeah. want to use sart um you know and what is the difference between what we saw what people see on Grey's anatomy versus mm-hmm. what actually happens in the exam process because um you know we've both been there as advocates and as yourself as a survivor mm-hmm. have gone through that process yeah um so let's start with maybe talking about what SART actually is. What is SART? What does it stand for? Yeah. So SART is an acronym mm-hmm. for a sexual assault response team. Yeah. So the the SART the SART is actually a team of people who is made up of law enforcement, the safe or sane, which is a mm-hmm. sexual assault forensic examiner or sexual assault 
nurse examiner. So mm-hmm. it's a nurse, mm-hmm. an a nurse advocate, especially trained in yes, sexual in, assault. in sexual assault and in evidence collecting. Mm-hmm. Um, an advocate mm-hmm. and a DA or a deputy DA, but usually not part of the exam process itself. That yeah. per- person may come into the team later on down the line if if a case goes to trial yeah so like you were saying it's specialized it's a specialized team of people who have been trained in in uh trained in sexual assault but also trained in the evidence collecting of it particularly when it comes to the advocate and to the to the um nurse um law enforcement they come in to interview the survivor um ask questions and take a report and to collect the evidence Mm -hmm. um it may be at that time it may be before or after Mm -hmm. but definitely the nurse and the advocate are the ones who are uh, specifically trained so SART is a survivor-centric program that provides a team approach to sexual assault response and the people who we said are part of that SART exam or that SART process yeah, so it takes what I guess happened in the show is like she went to the hospital, went to the ER. Yes. Which someone can do because not everyone knows where their local start center is or maybe they don't want to go to the police first. Mm-hmm. So someone could go to the emergency room and then those nurses and doctors are mandated if a sexual or domestic violence incident has occurred. They are trained to um, call law enforcement out and... You know, sometimes if the injuries are very severe and someone needs to be, like, stabilized or something Mm -hmm. um, because they're injured, then they can do a mobile SART exam. And so someone who is a safe or a sane can come out and do the exam. But typically, maybe you go to one hospital and they tell you that um, you go to the emergency room and maybe they do have a SART center there. And you can go through the process. It's completely free. It's paid for you. It's paid for by law enforcement. But someone can go through the process and decide at a later time if they want to go through with it. So you could still get it. And if you don't know if you want to talk to the police or go through the investigation process, you can still just get that out of the way and have the evidence collected. But it is important to know that if you want to maybe make the process a little shorter because it's longer, call your local rape crisis center. See who the a start center is around you, or if you go to the police station and go through that process. But going through the emergency room and then having to do the whole runaround might take more time. Yeah. So. And then um, you just mentioned about reporting versus not reporting. Mm-hmm. You can still have it, so you can have a rape kit go as like a Jane Doe rape kit, mm-hmm. be assigned just a number that you're given, mm-hmm. and then later down the line, if you decide that you're gonna proceed with reporting, then you're able to make that connection with your kit. Yeah. So that evidence is there. Yeah, and it's it's known that 72 hours is your window of time to collect the most evidence. Yes. It could be less, it could be more, and it really depends because uh, it is recommended that you try not to go to the bathroom, shower, change your clothes, clean up, any of that uh, to get the most evidence. But if you do, there's still a chance of evidence still being there and just keeping your clothes and what you were wearing. Um, but sometimes for a long after... Paper bag. Yeah, putting make sure to put in a paper bag, not a plastic bag. You can bring that with you. So if you want the better chance of getting more evidence, the sooner the better. But of course, we know that that is not the case for everyone. I myself waited like on the right brink of the 72 hours and there was not much there. So it's just all information to know because mm-hmm. you would 
think, but you don't realize how much is like washing away like mm -hmm. every day or hour, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I guess just like we could give a breakdown of how the process goes. Um, but well, mainly you have the right to an advocate or support person when you go through this process. Mm -hmm. um, if you go to a start center, um, either the nurse or law enforcement are mandated to call an advocate from the local rape crisis center. Mm -hmm. And if you want them to stay, they'll stay. If you would rather them go, then they can wait around um, or just go. And then you can have a support person be in the room with you. But what happens is you sit down and you'll have an interview with the nurse and give them a rundown of what happened just so they know how much of the exam they need to do right. and where they need to try and collect evidence from. Because depending on what happened, you may not need to go through the whole, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's um, that's why it's nice if you have someone there and you, aren't, you know that you can take your time and stop at any time or take a break. Um, use the bathroom, then they'll let you get that out of the way, like do a pee sample. Yeah. Um, it also helps um, to have an advocate mm -hmm. or a supportive person. That some people may not have a support person or right. feel comfortable letting telling someone they know mm -hmm. about what happened. It's always nice to have an advocate because you're already going through a really difficult, traumatizing, obviously, situation. You might be feeling in a vulnerable place. Mm -hmm. um, and if you aren't feeling comfortable enough to speak up and say you don't want to do certain things or you need a break or whatever you may be needing at the time, then you can always, if an advocate is there, you can always communicate that to the advocate and the advocate can do those things for you on your behalf, like speak up for you on your behalf. That's what they're there for. They're for your best interest. Yeah. And ideally the nurse and law enforcement <clears throat> are trained yes. and will be sensitive, but sometimes they may not be. Um, and so an advocate can kind of, yeah, uh, it all, or, you know, everyone has sort of a job to do within mm. the process, the exam process. And the nurse's job is to, do the exam and collect the evidence. So that's going to be their priority. Mm -hmm. um, law enforcement, their job is going to be to interview and write a report. Mm -hmm. The advocate is the person whose job is solely to be there for the survivor. Yeah. Um, and any significant others or support people that the survivor might have there. True. So they're the ones that are going to be focused solely on a survivor. Yep. Yeah. So they would be able to, they and or support, support person... Um, can be in the room with you sitting, you know, up by your shoulders, um, just there with you, sir, not alone. And that is a right. And, and just knowing that, you know, makes a big difference for people to know that they can even advocate for themselves. But if you have an advocate there, then of course they would. And then that they wait to be, basically they have to get discharged. Yeah. Oh, you were talking about the nurse exam, the nurse interview. Oh yeah. The nurse interview. And then that, you know, determines how much they're going to do or whatnot. And then they may take photos. Um, if you're wearing the clothes, if you have, like, bruises or any cuts or anything. Um, and then you go into the exam, which is sort of like a pap smear, just in, like, how it's done. Um, but it's collecting evidence with swabs. Um, and the sole purpose of this exam is mm -hmm. for collection of evidence. Yeah. It's not a treatment mm -hmm. or anything. It's not a surgeon doing it. Yeah. Um, it's someone who is there to collect the evidence, to see if there's any injuries, to document those injuries. 
and then just give that all over to law enforcement or to have it wait if someone wanted to wait. And uh, depending on what happened, you may be given prophylactics, mm -hmm. fancy words, mm -hmm. for um, treatable sexually transmitted <clears throat> infections, mm -hmm. uh, the Plan B pill, all your choice, of course, if you want to take or not. And um, it's also recommended for follow-up since um, not all infections will may show up right away. Right. So it's you should follow up with your primary yeah, or physician, you doctor, Planned Parenthood uh -huh. or something just right. to get, right. I think it's three months and six months, they say, mm -hmm. to go after. Yeah, so I think the important thing to remember um, about the process is that it is for the purpose of evidence collection, mm -hmm. um, whether you want to report at that moment or later, you will have, the evidence will be there collected for you. You know, again, the big thing that Gray's left out is that an advocate is a right that you have as a survivor um, through Marcy's Law, which is a Survivor Victims Bill of Rights. Um, one of those are to have an advocate mm -hmm. and if other people on the SART team, the nurse, law enforcement, are not remembering the survivor's rights. The mm -hmm. advocate is there to reiterate those to those people. Yeah, and just, um, I don't know if I made this clear or not, but um, that the, the interview may guide the nurse's process, and they should walk you through each step, but also if there's one step you're not comfortable with, if you only want to do so much... Um, you can stop and pause at any time and also not want to continue. And this is not for everyone. This is not, it's not easy, but it's your choice if you want to go through with this process. There is support along the way. So if this has happened to you or someone you know, know that they can call a hotline or a 24-hour rape crisis hotline. You can call the national hotline. The national hotline is RAIN, the rape and incest national network and their 800 number is 1-800-656-HOPE mm -hmm. that's h-o-p-e um and if you go to rain.org you can even chat with counselors online 24 mm -hmm. 7 and the national hotline the national network will actually direct you to your local rape crisis center so when you call they're going to automatically connect you to whoever is closest to you so it's really convenient in that you can get the information that's um, specific to where you are. Mm -hmm. We are in California, and so we know the information that is that works and specific to yeah survivors and survivors' rights and mm -hmm. laws in California. Yeah, and there's a lot of good information and on Rain, which kind of walks through everything we did, gives all the details um, and where you can go, and is also pretty good about. And I think they have the information of like how the laws vary by state. Mm -hmm. So there's just a lot of good information yeah. on rain.org. Um, but just know that this is definitely a decision for a survivor to make for themselves, not for anyone to make yeah. for them. It's a very individual yeah. decision. Choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We thought that Gray's episode was great in sparking the conversation mm -hmm. of forensic evidence collection exams, SART exams, what was uh, sort of normally referred to as a rape kit. Um, mm. But there was definitely very Hollywood aspects to it. And we just wanted to jump on 
forward and share our own perspective and lived experiences through it and what we've actually experienced by being a part of these exams. Another thing that I don't know if we mentioned that it may take anywhere from 15 minutes to mm. sometimes a couple of hours. Yeah. It isn't necessarily the quickest all the time. Yeah. That's not to discourage. It's just no. sometimes it, it takes a, a bit of time. Yeah. So do not go through it alone. You don't have to go through it alone. Right. So yeah, I, we hope that this has been helpful and informative Uh, it's a little heavy Mm -hmm. but particularly with um this topic having come up with the Grey's Anatomy episode during sexual assault awareness month Mm -hmm. and you know we definitely want to continue to provide a platform for survivors and shed light on things that aren't necessarily normally talked about Mm -hmm. so with that in mind is why we wanted to cover the SART exam process so if this has been informative, if, um, I don't know that enjoyable is the right word, but if yeah. it's like, if you think it was a good episode or good information to receive that you're not hearing maybe somewhere mm. else, let us know, have a conversation with us. Should we do other episodes and more topics like this? Or is it just too heavy? <laughs> you know, I mean, it is heavy, serious stuff, but it's important to talk about them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if, um... Just for your own sake, we all know someone, unfortunately. Educate yourself on your local resource center so that you can be a resource to someone when they are, if they come to you and are open um, and sharing their story, it means that they trust you. So you can go online, do research, and find uh, those resources so you can feel confident when you're providing that support for someone. Yeah. And like we said, RAIN is a good place to go, and that's R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G. And just like Bird was saying, if anyone does disclose to you, the most important thing that you can say to someone is, I believe you. Thanks for listening. Follow us on all socials at 2BSPod. That's T-W-O-B-S pod. Tell your friends and your friends' friends. More importantly, tell your followers and your haters. Bye. Bye. Before we fully sign off, we know that we have talked about a topic that may be triggering to some. If you or someone you love has experienced sexual or domestic violence, there is support available. There are resources both over the phone and online. For domestic violence, the national hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE, 1-800-799-7233, or online at thehotline.org. For sexual violence, the national hotline is 1-800-656-HOPE, 1-800-656-4673, or online at rain.org. R-A-I-N-N dot org.